strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, welcome, and thanks for being here, as always, talking about uh, crime and punishment. I think this is a big topic for me. I think it is for everybody. Is uh, America's changing, and, you know, it, it always does. And, and I, don't, I don't try to overstate things. I don't think that America is doomed. I never have. I think America, the greatness of our country, for as young as it is compared to the rest of the world, is that we're resilient and that we find a way. Because our Constitution helps us get out of our own way sometimes, it limits the power of the government, and it seems that eventually we we get leadership that understands that in that the government powers as much as and I, I think well-intentioned people. I'm going to get to the crime part of this in a moment, but I want to I think this is important. You may be well-intentioned, but what it does is it prevents people from inflicting and, and pushing things in the government because it's limited in what it can actually do. And I think if we stopped turning to the government to fix all of our problems and they focused on what was important and what their job is, I, 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 I yesterday went over it again. The number one job of any government in our country, state, local, the federal government, number one is public safety. The, the federal government has an obligation to protect our borders and have a strong military so that we can defend ourselves against all of our enemies. Foreign and domestic, but the military is not used for domestic battles. But we have to have a strong military, strong national defense. Secondly, it's infrastructure. Build the roads, fix the roads, bridges. We've had so many infrastructure bills that we had, and it still doesn't get done. And so beyond all of those things, we've added things, the Department of Education, we've added other things, but are they living up to their job? And this crime and punishment idea, um, New York City crime victims angry because um, they were uh, being told that they were props. Uh, in a hearing, and that it was, it made them angry. Uh, the city of Phoenix has made ten arrests in the city's largest homeless encampment, a string of arrests in the zone. What happened was an acknowledgement from the city that there was a misinterpretation of a legal ruling, and they stopped enforcing the law because they believed the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals said they had to. They stopped enforcing laws in the zone, which you know, human nature, not homeless people, human nature. If you don't keep a lid on bad behavior, bad behavior continues to grow. People that will commit crimes will continue to be criminals and prey upon other people. You understood even when we were in school outside of being criminals, you knew who the bullies were. And you know what's interesting about that is largely a bully will grow out of it, especially if they're put in check when they're young. Kids are prone to picking on each other. You could be the tall kid or the short kid or the fat kid um, or the skinny kid. It doesn't matter. Someone, you know, for me, it was easy. I was picked on because of my last name. Um, and you learn to roll with it. And I, I laughed before someone else would laugh at my name. But I learned that from my parents when somebody would, get, uh, you know, make fun of me and I would come home upset that they were making fun of me. My parents never let me off the hook. My parents, what do you care what somebody says about you? It's a joke. Who? What do you care? What do you care what they think about you? So I wasn't getting sympathy at home for it. But Alvin Bragg, the um, uh, Alvin Bragg's deputy, he is the DA in New York City. His deputy says prosecutors have power to change the justice system by declining to charge criminals. We've been going over these stories recently. 
predatory behavior, and it goes hand in hand with the thing in Phoenix. I believe in Phoenix that the uh, the reason why it wasn't being enforced is because they thought they were invite. If they did, they were violating a court order from the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. I'm not calling it right. I'm just saying I think that's the reason why they did it. Because when a judge said in Maricopa County, when a when a judge said, "Hey, listen." That's not what it means. You've got to enforce the laws. They're enforcing the laws now. We are going to see changes. There are some people, and I would say a lot of them, that are homeless that uh, would love to get out of the cycle of homelessness, that they would like to get back on a pathway of back in the mainstream, back having a home, whether it's an apartment or otherwise, and they'll work in that regard if they have the help. We have to assess who those people are. And then when the other people that don't want help assess why. But if you're a criminal, if you're committing crimes, I don't care if you're housed or unhoused, you got to pay a price. You're going to pay a penalty. And that is what a civilized society does. The assistant DA in New York said, no, don't have to do that. You've got crime victims in New York that are showing up to these hearings and they have people in the House of Representatives that have um, defended them and are, are defended the criminals saying that these people that are, are, are uh, crime victims are actually pawns, MAGA Republican. This is where it's odd to me. Democrats don't Democrats do not want to be victims of crimes either. I want you to hear this is Hank Johnson, Democrat congressman, and his rebuttal, his conversation about the this is the so-called MAGA Republicans. They were just crime victims. These are not people that went there for political reasons. This is what he said about them at this hearing. The Republican witnesses who have used their time to criticize District Attorney Bragg have served as props in a MAGA Broadway production. The real purpose in coming to New York City. Can we have order? The real purpose in coming to New York City. Gentlemen will suspend. Stop the clock. Gentlemen will suspend. For the audience, I've said several times now that the committee has to be in order. If if anyone continues, then we're going to have to escort some people out. Please don't talk Uh, that. Please don't talk down to us witnesses, please. Isn't Hank Johnson the congressman that was worried about Guam flipping over if it had too many people on one side of it? Pretty sure he was. Um, but that's what he said. And you crime victims in New York speaking out. Uh, Georgia thieves allegedly steal $9,000 worth of allergy medication from a public store. Um, we had pictures of a San Francisco store, a Target store, where everything is behind glass and under lock and key. We know that this is happening in our country, and we know that there are a couple of things that have been at work. And I, I do think that this is part of an agenda for some people. I think there are the, the anarchists among us that believe that having police officers is a bad thing would love nothing more than to be able to stop all of this from happening. No more cops. But then what you get is you get what none of us want, I don't think, and that is street justice. That's my biggest issue with this. You know, as I get older, um, I – I look at our law and order society and I think we live in a civilized world, at least it's supposed to be, and when it works properly, if you commit a crime, you're going to get arrested. But when you get arrested, you're going to get a fair trial, but you're going to get prosecuted, and when you're found guilty, you're going to pay a heavy price. We don't live in that world anymore in some places. It has now become a political agenda to not charge people with crimes when you are the prosecutor. And I just think it's absolutely the wrong direction. Coming up in a moment, um, Hollywood 
believe it or not, Hollywood speaking out against the cancel culture. We'll talk about it in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Always appreciate you spending some time with us when you can. And um, an interesting twist, I would say, that people in Hollywood beginning to speak out against the cancel culture. Molly Ringwald, 80s superstar Molly Ringwald. Um, said talking about the Me Too movement, I don't think a Harvey Weinstein situation could exist now. But again, a lot of people have gotten swept up in cancellation, and I worry about that. It's unsustainable in a way. Some people have been unfairly canceled, and they don't belong in the same category as somebody like Harvey Weinstein. Uh, when it ends up doing is make people roll out their eyes. That's my worry. I do want things to change for real. Um, it, interesting. She said we've become a bunch of Puritans. She said it's hard to grow up under that. I don't want to overdo this boo-hoo. I fully recognize my privilege. Okay, here we go. But I needed to get out from under all of the scrutiny. I just wasn't cut out for it. Here's another example. Steven Spielberg who edited the movie E.T. to get some of the guns out of the old movie E.T. said it was a mistake. And he said anybody that's revising and editing these old movies for a new audience is censoring. It's censorship. And he's 100% right. How about this weird headline? Gen Z is the hardest generation to work with, according to a survey. They lack discipline, and they like to challenge you. They think they're better than you, smarter than you, more capable than you, and that they challenge you. A new study reveals that nearly 75% of managers of business le- and business leaders say that Gen Z, people born from 1997 onward, are more difficult to work with than other generations. Even more concerned, a whopping 49% of business leaders and managers surveyed said that it would be difficult to work with Gen Z almost all of the time. A number of managers could agree that Gen Z workers lack communication skill, effort, motivation, and even technological skills. I want to defend Gen Z for a moment. I work with a lot of Gen Zers. Or a few Gen Zers, and they're 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 great in the workforce. Um, that the ones that I interact with, but I think there's a difference. The difference is standards, and the difference is if they if if the people in that generation, which would be my you know someone that would be my kid's age, maybe even younger than that. Um, Whose fault is it? It's our fault. We raised them. They weren't born this way. We have we have in our society with this woke culture we live in now. Nobody's allowed to get offended. It started with participation trophies, and we're not going to keep score. We're going to talk more about schools later. But there's now a thing called equitable grading. So nobody should feel bad. Nobody should fail. Nobody should be sad. And I will tell you that the biggest life lessons I have ever been a part of involve sports and keeping score. You learn to win with grace and lose with dignity. And you learn a, a, a crushing defeat that means nothing. And I've, I've, I've told this story a number of times, but I'm going to repeat it now. 
when my brother was in high school, I was on the coaching staff of his high school football team, and they were a great team. But there was a team in our district called Pahokee High School. And Pahokee High School at one time had more NFL players out of this little tiny high school near Lake Okeechobee in, in the middle of central Florida than any other high school. If you've ever seen the ESPN special called the Muck Bowl, it's about two teams near Lake Okeechobee that play every year, and it's like a who's who of high school football. Anquan Bolden, the, the superstar for the Arizona Cardinals, went to Pahokee High School. Um, anyway, we were playing them in a district game for the playoffs, and we were beating them on our field. And with 14 seconds left in the game, they ran a kickoff or a punt back and they beat us. And it was it was a kick in the stomach. They went on to win the state championship. No one even came close to touching them. They won every other game by at least, I think, 20 points to win the state championship. There was not a dry eye in that stadium and on that field after the game. None of the players, none of the coaches, none of the parents, the cheerleaders, everybody in tears and devastated by that loss. It was high school football. The next year, we had to go to their field. We beat them 40 to 6 on their field. That entire year became the best year of their lives. And oh, and we went on to the state finals. We lost in the state finals that year, but we were a state finalist that next year. My point is from that disappointment, there was a lesson. Because the head coach used it as a learning experience. You don't not keep you don't not keep score. You get, don't give out participation trophies. Not everybody's a state champion. And we've grown into a society like this, where now you have people that, um, whatever it is, they, they, the gun thing is a big thing. So now they're going to go back and edit guns out of movies. We have become soft. But not everybody. There are people that were raised in families where you were raised to live up to your responsibilities and be a good worker. And if you say you're going to do something, you do it. That is that's, you know, again, we teach people how to behave culturally. We have seen people get soft. I think that's a truth. But man, oh, man, not everyone. And I just think that we uh, that people are starved for discipline. People are starved for honesty. And you can honestly tell someone they're wrong. And if you can do that and they can internalize it, especially if you're the boss, um, then they can become a good employee. But if all they've ever heard is you're a winner and no one loses and we don't want to hurt your feelings and the real world hurts your feelings, you're going to react. You got to learn. You just have to learn. Coming up, we are going to speak with Mark Stapp. He's the executive director of ASU's Masters of Real Estate Development Program at ASU. We are going to talk with him about the housing crunch and what he believes the answer could be. That's coming up here in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. The housing crisis. We talk about the economy. There are a lot of things that are squeezing people. The fluctuation, the big fluctuation in gas prices is hurting families in Arizona. As we've seen our gas prices outpace the rest of the country for quite a while. Inflation has been higher in the valley than it is in other parts of the country for a very long time. And along with that is the price of housing, whether it's rent or mortgage prices, because there is a shortage. Plus, we are a growing community with people moving here very often. Joining us now is Mark Stapp from the WP Carey School of Business. And uh, first of all, welcome to the show, Mark. I appreciate you coming on. 
Well, I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks. Uh, you were quoted in a story recently talking about this issue, and I'm interested because I came from the construction world, and we have always been concerned in construction ourselves with the workforce. But then when you talk to people that are the engineers and the designers, the architects, they talk about the red tape of getting projects by putting shovels in the ground in the first place. Are there some answers there to be had in this crisis and expediting some of these processes? <laughs> the, the answer is there's no simple answer because all of this quote-unquote red tape is local regulatory. And so you've got um, different jurisdictions, different ordinances, different um, you know, staff levels, experience, um, and, you know, so it's, it's very variable from city to city about how hard it is to get plans approved and building permits issued and then inspections done, et cetera. Um, so I, and I, I don't think it's any one particular thing. Uh, if you can get a project approved through the entitlement process, then you got to go through the plan review process. And mm-hmm. it's a lot. It's, it, it, this is the most regulated business in the United States. And a most, the vast majority of its local regulation. And when you look at the, the issues, and for a lot of people it may sound boring, but I promise, and the, the bottom line costs for all of these to get things done, but isn't it true that there may be a city regulation for something, and when you go into plan review, you may comply with the city, but you don't comply with county regulations, and so sometimes they run into each other. Yeah, they, they do. Most of it is is city, but there are others um, in you know, some of it is, is also federal, right? So you have clean air, clean water, you have fire safety. There's a, there's a number of different things that can collide with each other. And then you have staff interpretation uh, that, that also um, feeds itself into this process. Uh, so, you know, it, again, it, it's difficult. Every project is different. Every jurisdiction is different. You've got various regulatory bodies you're trying to comply with. It's not easy. When you look at development, because one of the things I've noticed and and kind of living near the Arcadia area, driving up 32nd Street, let's say, and I've used them as an example because I used to drive that all the time between Thomas Road and all the way to Camelback. There are these huge apartment complexes that are going in, which I think is great. Multifamily is so necessary. But what is that going to do to the other areas of development, such as the traffic? What are we going to do? You can't widen the roads any more than they're widened. What is it going to do to traffic congestion in that area and the other things that happen? Yeah, so, you know, listen, Mitchell Phoenix is fortunate because of the way it has been built. So it's built on this grid, and we have the ability to relieve traffic many times through simply being able to take a different route. Um, We're going to have to densify. There's absolutely no two ways about it. And one of the reasons why public transit is so important to us as a young, growing metropolitan area is because we're going to have to densify. We've got water-related issues that are going to constrain development on the edges. Um, We've got lifestyle issues. We've got affordability issues. And I think as we mature, we're going to see that not only is development going to continue to be on the edge, but we can't accommodate it all. And you're going to see more development infill. And there's where really one of the big problems, let's talk about regulatory problems, is finding those appropriate sites that either can be rezoned or are zoned. 
then getting through the development process, having to deal with political pressure because people don't want additional density for you know reasons, and traffic isn't isn't always greatly impacted by these projects. In fact, if you begin matching uh, density with employment in the right kind of housing near the right kind of employment, you can reduce overall traffic. You know, so you've got MAG, Maricopa Association of Governments, that's looking at these these disconnects between where people work and where they live. And that's really what causes a lot of the traffic, is some of the disconnect between work and live. Mark so I think is- it depends on individual I was just going to say, I was going to let everybody know who we're speaking with. Mark Staff is joining us. He's a development expert from WP Carey School. Um, so let's talk about the housing crunch and the the fact that we are seeing home prices, but also the price of rent being very high for families. What is the, do you see a solution to this? Is there a pathway to a solution to this that can be done sooner rather than later? Well, the the regulatory process is one of the biggest. If you look at all the general plans and the the current zoning in the uh, jurisdictions across the metropolitan Phoenix, there's very, very little multifamily zoning by comparison to the amount of single-family zoning. And so the ability to add additional units, which is what we need, we have a huge supply side imbalance, and it's not easy to add units. So even if I started today with an approved project, it takes two years to two and a half years before somebody can actually move in. Uh, But getting those parcels identified and getting the approvals necessary can take another year to two if you can even get them done. So there there isn't something we can do that's instant. But I think we do need to have local jurisdictions develop housing policies that are focused on adding the additional um, units necessary to bring us back in the balance. We so underbuilt during the, um, you know, the, er, the mid 2000s. You know, you, you look at, for instance, single family detached, we, we should average somewhere around 30,000 units a year for our population growth. And from 2007 to 2018, we underbuilt all of those years for that average. In fact, in the low, the low was 2010, we built 6,700 units. Same thing with multifamily, right? If you look at 20, uh, 1999 to 2018, we averaged 6,000 units. What happened in 2019 is there was this rush to add units, and that average jumped up to 14. But we're just seeing those units get into the marketplace now. And you're going to see rent soften a little bit, and that's the effect. If we can add the units, you can affect affordability. But it's not easy, and it's going to take a long time to do it. And you have to do it in the right place. You know, a lot of the employment growth is in the West Valley. And when you look at what's under construction right now, there's, you know, roughly 34,000 permits issued for multifamily. 21, almost 22,000 of those is in the East Valley, and only 12,000 is in the West. Hmm. So there's also a disconnect that creates traffic problems, right? So if you've got employment in one area, but in enough housing, you're going to burden the infrastructure, the transportation infrastructure. So that's what I was talking about before. 
I, I will tell you, it is a complex problem that we've been talking about for a long time. My perspective has been limited to the construction industry, so I wanted to bring your expertise on, and I hope you'll come back and talk to us again because this is going to be an ongoing conversation, and I'd love to see how the numbers change moving forward. I'm happy to anytime you would like. All right, thanks. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much, Mark. That's Mark Stapp, Executive Director of ASU's Master of Real Estate Development Program. Um, it is an interesting topic. I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. Coming up in a moment, media predictions. What if there is the rematch of all rematches? We're talking Biden versus Trump. If it happens, who does the media predict is going to be victorious? We'll get to it in just a moment. and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much. Appreciate you spending some time here. Uh, here's a couple of different stories. The predictions are now happening. What happens if there is a rematch between Joe Biden and Donald Trump or Joe Biden against any other candidate? Headlines are very fascinating. Um, this, uh, There are some people that are talking about, uh, one of them is that, uh, you know, Joe Biden is is presiding over, uh, it, here's the headline, Biden runs on an improved but still troubled economy. Hmm. Okay, that's one way to look at it, I guess. Um, How's this? How unpopular can Biden be while still winning re-election? Not exactly a ringing endorsement. Here's another one. This one from the Washington Post. If voters choose between Trump and Biden, Republicans won't like the results. That is one of the biggest concerns among Republican voters, some Republican voters. Donald Trump is immensely popular in the Republican Party. Can he win over independents? That's the big question. In the end, it is about electability. This is not a popularity contest. It's none of those things. The questions have to be asked of people is who's best? Who is best to run the country? Each party is supposed to put up there who they believe is best. The Democrats are going to choose the sitting president. I believe that's going to be the way it's always been, and I think it's the way it always will be, um, even though he's going to be challenged in a primary. Here's what I find fascinating about this. Um, the, the, on that um, on that front, the election denial part of this, uh, Arizona's county's new election heads shared voter fraud memes. He's an election denier, and he's running the elections. Um, In Arizona, this is an Associated Press uh, story about Cochise County. But how about this? RFK Jr., who is challenging Joe Biden in a primary, RFK Jr. breaks uh, breaks down how Dems are rigging the 2024 primary. Um, So they're talking about how the Democrats run the primary process, and it's going to be a rigged game for Biden. Is he an election denier? Are we going to start relegating RFK Jr. to fringe status for saying that the elections in their primary are rigged if he loses the election? There's just so much emotion that's involved in this instead of being pragmatic. Do you believe – Joe Biden is doing a good job as president of the United States. I'm not going to I mean, you know where I stand, but where do you stand? And if you believe he is, then vote to reelect him. If a candidate is put up that you think will do a better job, vote for another candidate. 
there, and people have issues that are non-negotiable for them. I've talked about it with myself, you know, in a primary process. I am someone that is pro-life. And especially if it's someone that has could have an effect on that decision now in the state legislature or otherwise. I'm a I'm someone who is pro-life. So if you are running in a primary <clears throat> and you're someone that is pro-choice, you're not going to be my choice. But that being said, if the person that I am supporting doesn't win the primary, then I am going to support the one that's left that most closely resembles what I think should be done. That's what a voter is supposed to do. The idea of a popularity contest, it gets – and both sides of the aisle do it. We should be looking at performance. If you look at every organization that works really well, it is about performance. Do you remember Ken Wisenhunt? Anybody remember that name? He was the Cardinals head coach who took the Arizona Cardinals to a Super Bowl. And if it had not been for a miraculous catch toward the end of that game, uh, which led to the Pittsburgh Steelers winning that Super Bowl, the the Cardinals would have been Super Bowl champions that year. Um, They had an amazing team and an amazing run and an amazing coach. A couple of years later, they fired him. He got fired a couple of years later because he wasn't performing. And it wasn't, and he expected it. And this is part of the game in the NFL, which is a juggernaut of an organization. There is an expectation of performance, and you perform or you're out. Older players are unceremoniously traded, sometimes right at their peak or just past their peak. They still can perform. They did great things. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is no longer with the Green Bay Packers. He just, you know, put out a beautiful statement about. About his time in Green Bay with friends and legends he played with and coaches he played for and the fans. He's now with the New York Jets. Um, you know, it is about performance. And if you are not performing, you're out. And if you are performing, they're going to pay you a lot of money to make sure you perform for their team. And, and good companies do the same thing. You are held to a standard of performance, and if you're not performing, you're given an opportunity to fix the situation. If you don't fix the situation, you're out. And uh, it is organizations like government. It's frustrating because that does it's a popularity contest. Diane Feinstein is losing her faculties. Should it have gotten this far before she was voted out of office? Not in the real world. Not in the real world. So I'm anxious to see how things continue uh, to change in the political world we live in. Uh, Coming up in a moment, um, Phoenix police make 10 arrests at the zone. We're going to talk about crime and punishment coming up here in just a few moments. It is such an interesting conversation. We're going to get to it, and I can't wait to talk more about it.